All units stand by for on patrol with the PPD, airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM. Friday morning. Thanks for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. Today is Friday, January 15th, 2021, and this is a new episode. We are live in studio. I'm joined in studio this morning by Lieutenant Gary Traversa, Cops Bureau Commander. Good morning, Lieutenant. Good morning. And we are also joined in studio this morning by Captain Matthew Kirchner, Uniform Patrol Division Commander. Good morning, Captain. Good morning. And this is going to be kind of a free-flow show. I don't know that we actually have a, a formal agenda. There's a lot going on in the world of law enforcement, so we'll just kind of feed off of one another and riff with it. So between my driveway at home and the uh, parking lot out here, I don't know that ever in my life I've seen a clearer example of black ice. This, this is like the perfect environment for that. So if you're out on the roads this morning, be careful. It did not take a header, but it was a close thing. So a couple newsworthy items. Um, first and foremost, we'll start with an article from the front page of today's Berkshire Eagle, um, piece by Heather Bellow. Unfortunately, um, first major structure fire of the year in the county. Uh, it was a fatal fire in Sheffield. Our condolences go out to the family and friends and loved ones of Jim and Doreen Boltram. Fire is still under investigation, um, but you know it's it's just horrific. So condolences and our thoughts and prayers to them and their families uh in a kind of more upbeat law enforcement related news captain was just pointing out it looks like our uh, brothers and sisters to the slightly to the north might be getting a new home huh lanesboro lanesboro pd is moving ahead with their plan to relocate their headquarters facility either uh to a different town owned parcel of land or rebuilding on the existing parcel so yeah that's uh that's exciting chief that's a that project has been in the works for a long time not quite as long as ours but uh, a long time and as dire as our conditions are um lanesboro is in much worse shape actually captain kirchner transferred to us from lanesboro so you can probably describe i I can speak to it i I worked out of that building for quite a few years um you know that's a that's a great that's a great much needed asset for the town that uh you know the PD does a great job up there, but uh, you know as we always say, we're we're hampered by our building, and they're certainly hampered by the building they're in. It's uh, you know very small, very very antiquated facility that uh, you know I, I would look forward to seeing them getting a current state of the art facility with some some real space to be able to thrive and and work excellent and spread their wings there. I don't know that I've ever been farther in there than right inside the uh, the main entrance, right inside the door to exchange some paperwork or something. But I remember when they did the um, their feasibility study and saw some of the pictures. And, you know, God bless all the people that did their best. But some of the Band-Aid-type improvements that were made over the time, I was just like, wait a minute, that could not have passed inspection. There's no way that can be okay. So uh, let's keep our fingers crossed and wish them luck with that project going forward. Um, just to touch on it, because every, you know, I think everybody is, is interested to see what's going to happen over the next, you know, several weeks to a month. President-elect Biden did announce his uh, economic recovery plan last night. I haven't had a chance to read any of the details. Um, it sounds pretty complicated, so we'll see. Uh, there's, there's details um, 
the, the, he announced it yesterday afternoon, so it's well reported in the news cycle. You can look that up. And then the final news-related item, which is going to transition and segue us into at least the first part of our conversation this morning, is um, an appeal from county public health officials for people to pay attention to the guidance, pay attention to what phase of vaccine rollout you may or may not be in, and please wait until um, until your your population comes up before you go in and try to register. And I was reading the article this morning, as I was reading, I was like, damn it, I, this may actually be my fault, right? So um, in addition to being on the city's, the mayor's COVID-19 task force, I'm also on the county vaccine planning group. And uh, I, I'm not familiar with all of, all of the names in the article, but I know that at some point, as we were getting the instructions for the, the first responder vaccine clinics that are currently ongoing in the county, I was sending information um, both to the, the county chiefs association and at one point to the public safety representatives from the Central Berkshire Regional Emergency Planning Commission. And I'm not sure that at one point after we started the thread with the link that I didn't inadvertently send it to the whole REPC instead of just the chiefs. Um, and obviously there are representatives on all of the REPCs who are not representing first responders. They're in other, um, they're in other sectors or, or other industries. And so, um, there are, there are people either because something like that, you know, which again, I'm not saying that I did that. I'm just not positive that I didn't, uh, that because of their volunteer work may have had access to some of those communications or the other thing we heard is well-intentioned first responders forwarding the link to family members who are not first responders. Um, and we've got a good plan here in Berkshire County. I'm very proud of it. I think it may actually be one of the best rollout plans in the Commonwealth right now. Um, but it requires everybody to cooperate. So, um, as you know, it's a segue. The uh, the first responder vaccine clinics are currently going on. The fifth one will be this afternoon. I don't remember if today is in North Adams or in Great Barrington. Uh, they, they switch. I believe today is, is in South County, okay. Great Barrington. And then uh, there's a, a catch-up one next Tuesday. Lieutenant, you're scheduled for that one. I am. Um Captain, would you go Tuesday or Thursday? I went Tuesday afternoon. All right, so you went Tuesday. You're two full days in, two you know, two full sleeps in. How are you feeling? Um, I feel good. I uh, so I got my shot Tuesday evening, about uh, four thirty in the afternoon, five o'clock. Um, no issues. You know, had a full night's sleep. Um, I was a little bit tired the next day. About midway through the day, I was a little bit tired. Uh, no fever, no other symptoms, and then. Uh, you know, get a good night's sleep Wednesday night, and yesterday, today, feel fine. Awesome. So I went yesterday afternoon. I was in the um, the first appointment slot when the first responder vaccine clinic opened out at the field house at two o'clock yesterday. Um, again, I'm you know one full sleep cycle post. I was telling the lieutenant before we got on the air. Very, very localized soreness at the injection site. Um, and it, I mean very localized, like I have to put my finger on it. Uh, less so even than when I normally get the flu vaccine. Normally when I get the flu vaccine, that, that soreness radiates kind of between the elbow and the shoulder. Not feeling that today. Um, but again, it's, you know, it's only one sleep cycle out, so we'll see in the next couple of days. And uh, we have 
heard from our friends and colleagues in the health system that the um, the real concern is following the second dose. So we're all between 22 and um, well, 21 and 23 days from our second dose. So uh, more to come on that. We'll know in the second week of February. Yep. All right. So Dr. Kohlberg could not join us today. That's yeah. unfortunate. But always the consummate professional, Dr. Kohlberg sent me some materials. So let's see what we've got here. The first one, um, this is actually, so this, this will be available on the Commonwealth website. Um, I'm not sure. So this is not like, they're not going to push this out to the general public, but it's a list of frequently asked questions from the Commonwealth to local boards of health. Uh, and I know that Dr. Kohlberg has done an FAQ for us, for our first responders, to address some of our questions, and I think that was pretty helpful for some of our people who were on the fence. Um, but he's going to have a, I, I think the plan right now is to have a regular frequently asked questions section either parallel with or embedded in the checkup in the Berkshire Eagle. So that starts tomorrow. Um, there'll be some information coming out about that. I'm just taking a real quick look at this guidance um we already talked about the first responder clinics those are active and ongoing and i had a question come up from one of our uh, members yesterday who has some uh some long planned travel coming up and as a result uh the timing didn't work if they accepted the first dose they wouldn't they wouldn't be able to get the second dose and so the sec the question was can they get the second dose, can they get their first dose while we're getting our second dose? And if that's the case, what's the procedure uh, for them to get their second dose? And it's it's very clear, and it, I don't remember where I read it this morning, um, but prioritization follows you, right? So if you're phase one, group B, and for some reason you can't get it during the tail end of phase one, you, you're still eligible to go to any General so, so you'll maintain your priority. Yeah. So, it, I mean, you're going to have to compete against more people for the slots, but you don't you don't lose your prioritization. So that's the, the first thing. Um, we already talked about the first responder clinics. Um, you know, I don't know that it's I don't know that it's known outside of the first responder community at the at the very beginning when they first announced the weeks that they thought this was going to occur. Uh, it was. You know, firefighters, paramedics, EMTs, and police only, and it didn't include our dispatchers. Now, in our department, you know that that wouldn't necessarily be as big a deal because we have non-sworn civilian dispatchers, but they're in and out of the same operational spaces all the time and in, in close proximity. But for other departments where officers co-dispatch with civilian dispatchers that could have been tragic so it was a uh, it was a big push from the first responder community to make sure that our dispatchers were included and they are um so we're grateful for that that's a big relief yeah for me chief i you know i've had a concern since march that if we had an infection in dispatch you know beyond one or two that would seriously impact our our operations and our ability to staff the dispatch right. room so uh, that's that's a great relief for me personally <laughs> so 
So um, the next phase is going to include congregate living and home health care personnel. And I don't know that this has happened. I do know that we had enough capacity locally that local boards of health were actually discussing accelerating that phase and moving them into some of the vacancies we had Saturday and Tuesday to get ahead of that. Um, you know, and if you look at the reports that are coming out from the local boards of health, particularly from uh, Laura Kitross, who's kind of heading the planning, the, the planning for the county up, um, she firmly believes, and based on what I've seen and the work that the, the boards of health and the health agents are doing, she firmly believes that we could do a thousand doses a day in the county. And I, I think she's right. Um, so it's just a question of getting, getting the doses out here. Uh, there's another question in here. We, you all will have seen it um, for, for the public if you haven't seen it. It's what is PrepMod. Um, PrepMod is the, is the new online portal that the Commonwealth rolled out very, very, very shortly before the clinics actually started. Um, public health literally had a matter of a day to, to get up to speed on it and, and plan it and work with it. But they rolled it out. And I think I mentioned this briefly last week, and I'll, um, and I, you know, I believe in credit where credit is due. Shout out to the Commonwealth, because I did not have high hopes when I logged into it. Uh, we access a lot of Commonwealth-maintained computer systems. They're not always user-friendly. Um, <laughs> Some of them are, are an utter failure. Yeah. But it was extremely smooth and easy to use, Chief. I, I will say it was... I was impressed. Yeah, I, I was I, very impressed. I was impressed. I've been talking to people who, um, you know, if general population here are not eligible for this and say, you know, it's don't stress over it. It's going to be pretty easy. Honestly, the most difficult part of the whole thing was scanning the insurance card and uploading it. it yeah, took longer than everything yep. else. Yeah, yep. put a piece of paper on the the, the glass. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, for for the a lot of our folks, you know, even did it from a smartphone or a smart device. And, uh, you know, having the photograph on their smartphone, it was actually easier to do from their handheld device than it was a, a desktop computer. Yeah. I was, I was really surprised at how easy and how simple it was to walk through the registration process. Um, it, that, that kind of reminds me of something else from yesterday, and it's not in this FAQ, but I just... So when I, when, after I got the vaccine, you know, you, you, to get the vaccine, you're required to sit in the observation area where uh, EMS can... It, keep an eye on you make sure that you're not going to have an adverse reaction or anything and you have to check out right they want to make sure that you didn't cut the time and when i went to check out you know log out make sure that the time is right and then they had a um, handout right and the handout from the cdc and the base the emt the paramedic that i was talking to is like just go to your vehicle and scan this qr code and so i just did it while i was sitting in the parking lot figure why not and it's um it takes you into a, a system from the cdc that they will send you periodic alerts asking you to provide information back on any side effects or symptoms. Yep, it checks so that, up on you. Yeah, so it's an automatic checkup to make sure that, and, and they're gathering more Additional information data. and data so that they have better information to push out to the general public. So yeah. that yeah. was pretty cool. Yep. Uh, what you, else? You know, Chief, I will say, you know, and I'm sure yours was probably the same as Tuesday when I went, but uh, I was extremely happy and surprised to to be able to walk in i mean from the time i walked in to the time i had the shot in my arm was less than five minutes from registration time to shot time and and in and out within under 20 to 30 minutes total um you know if that's any indicator for laura's team in the county to say we'll give a thousand shots a day 
I, I, I think it's very well prepared and planned. I was scheduled for a two o'clock appointment. They were running a little bit late. I think we walked in about seven minutes after I was back in my cruiser by two thirty. Yeah, yeah, it's excellent. Um, so one of the things, and you know, first responder community, love them all, love them all, but you know, again, gotta gotta call it like we see it when we so. I wasn't out there Tuesday. Something came up and I couldn't make it out. I wanted to see what, you know, what Captain Grady's plan was to support that. Uh, but we had some conflict, so I couldn't go. And uh, we had a countywide planning meeting on Wednesday. And we had great feedback from the clinic on Monday. And great feedback from the clinic opening on Tuesday. And then um, they shared with the group that if there was one hiccup, and, you know, first responders going to be first responders. They put everybody in the observation area and they had gone. They had put a lot of work into laying out those chairs and staggering them so that there was more than six feet. And, every, <laughs> and sure enough, first responders started dragging the chairs together and treating it like an after action yeah. report. <laughs> a quick team huddle. Yeah. And so they had to go over a reprimand them. Right. There's a yep. reason you're being put in that chair. Yep. Leave the leave the facility the way you found it. Yep. I, I will also say, you know, and, and I know if Captain Grady was here, he would echo it. A huge shout out, thank you to Vinny Barbarata, the DPW team for, uh, you know, here in Pittsfield, because with the signage, the extra barrels, the cones, I mean, they were excellent in helping us get just traffic flow and everything set right up and dialed in for, for our event here in town. Absolutely. Um, I'm scanning through this thing real quick with the the FAQs. I'm going to. I'm going to switch from this one to the other one because most of this, it doesn't apply. I mean, it's it's going to come out in the guidance. So, But the group that put these plans together for at least our Berkshire County uh, clinics did an outstanding job. Uh, let's see. The other one he sent us, this is actually from yesterday, and it was um, shared with the public health community, but it was written by Tritown Health, which is... Um, the Tritown Health District, which is Lee Lennox and Stockbridge, and it was actually authored by Jim Willis, who used to be uh, the health director here in the city of Pittsfield. And it, it simply reiterates kind of what uh, Laura said in the press reports and that we said at the top of the show. Uh, pay attention to the guidance, pay attention to your priority group, and wait until your priority group comes up before you log into the system and check. If you don't know... There is great guidance on the Commonwealth website. Uh, you can, it's, it, they literally, if you go to uh, your, your browser, your search engine, they literally created a page on mass.gov. When can I get the COVID-19 vaccine? Right? So go yep. to mass.gov, just put that in your search bar. It'll take you right there. There's a great graphic, the, an infographic that just shows, you know, these are, these are how it's done. Uh, so if you have questions, the Commonwealth's website for COVID-19 is by far the best kind of comprehensive source our city's page the covid19 um, dashboard on the city of pittsfield.org's page has links to all of that stuff there's really great information on that page as well um i will tell you that you know we'll have a, a task force meeting virtually at the end of this hour um and you know our our positivity rate is increasing it's not increasing at the rate that it was between the holidays but 
we're not flattening the curve right now. So we still have to be diligent and we have to continue to do the right things. If Dr. Kohlberg would he- were here, he would say, wear your mask, maintain social distance. You know, if you can stay home, stay home, wash your hands frequently. And when you can't sanitize, you just can't hammer those messages enough. And, and I, one of those things along those lines, Chief, that he had stressed last week that um, I think everybody should remember is that even if you do get the vaccine, there is no information at this point on how preventive that is for transmission. Right. It, yep. It's, um, you know, it's known, what, 90% effective for you not getting COVID-19, but it, the, how uh, transmissible it still is is unknown. Right. So I I, had, I did an interview yesterday afternoon with I Berkshires, and I wanted to hammer that point and cover that point because Dr. Kohlberg did a really nice job of succinctly describing that. And I've had conversations with people outside of the um, first responder community, and I don't think that that is generally well understood. So you go and you get the vaccine and, you know, your body, your immune system starts working against it and it's developing the antibodies to keep you healthy, keep you from developing the disease. Um, and it takes a couple of days to do it, right? And then you got to get the booster dose. So, you know, you're, you're really looking at you know, nearly a month before you're fully immunized, but you're, you're going to start to see the protective measures in the first several days. That means you won't get sick, but getting the vaccine doesn't put like a force field or a bubble up around you, right? The virus is still out there. It's still being transmitted. You're still being exposed to it. And although the vaccine will prevent you from getting sick and developing symptoms, it can't prevent you from onboarding the virus. You just won't get sick if you do onboard the virus, which means that you can still carry it. And what hasn't been determined yet, and this is what the doctor was talking about, it's unknown if you can carry it and still carry sufficient virus load in your respiratory system, your sinuses, and your nasal cavity that you could potentially con- infect somebody else. Mm-hmm. So getting the vaccine is not to be all end all. Um, you know, it's great for the individual vaccinated, but you still have to maintain other protective measures, including masking and social distancing. All right. Um, they took the they took the little clock away. There's some all oriented yeah. in here um <laughs> what else should we cover about about the pandemic or the vaccine what did he miss i'm uh i'm at a loss i i i think he covered uh most of what the doc had had covered uh you know when he's here in terms of you know the People are still getting sick, unfortunately. You mentioned, the, you know, we're not flattening the curve. We're still getting consistent, um, you know, cases. Yeah. Um, I, I will mention this because the reporter from iBerkshire's asked me yesterday. Um, so the, the rollout was not without speed bumps or hiccups, right? It, it came, the, the instructions came quick without a lot of warning, and we had to hustle to, to really... Um, make sure that we were going to be ready. And we were ready. It was fine. Uh, but, I mean, in Pittsfield, we even had to move locations from the, the site that's designated in the pandemic plan to a, a backup site. And, you know, that's that's neither here nor there because the backup site was great. Um, but one of the things that came out very early on in this in the first responder rollout is we were simply asked to provide a roster of our personnel. And that's easy, right? You know, go to 
admin system, payroll system, whatever, print, boom. And so the rosters went out, they uh, started being received by public health officials fairly quickly. And then they modified the request and it was send the roster with a count of who does, doesn't, or is unsure of the vaccine, if they wanted to get the vaccine. And that got a lot more complicated, right? Because now we had to continue to, to kind of informally survey our people and ask them to respond. Um, and at the at the beginning, when we first said it was what three weeks ago, yeah, it was two and, it and was a half, quick. three it weeks was ago, about three weeks ago, um, we were only averaging about sixty to sixty six percent of our personnel who wanted to get it, uh, and that you know that concerned me a little bit. And th- from the people who said that they didn't want to get it, they had great reasons, right? Some people they're under treatment for something else or under doctor's care for something else. They needed to double check. Some people were just like. I don't think there's enough data yet. I haven't seen enough. Um, I haven't seen enough results yet. I'm nervous. I want to wait until you know more time has passed. We got all that. But what I'm the most proud of is between the time we got that initial, you know, two thirds back until the time we actually started registering people, that increased to um, between 75 and 80 percent. The the information and the data and the anecdotal reports that were coming out of the health system from our partners in, in healthcare, nurses, doctors, you know, um, the facilities personnel down at, at the hospital provided enough comfort for that population of our people that that number went up. Yep. And, um, you know, Dr. Culver was sending out the FAQ. The Municipal Police Training Committee produced that kind of interesting video, which uh, we we downloaded and linked. I don't. I watched the whole fifteen minutes. I don't know that anybody else did. <laughs> I, I started to, but um, man, was that technical? It was hard it, to get into. It was very. <laughs> it, it was technical and it was complicated, but it was it was digestible, right? It, they made it easy, right? The it, so the Municipal Police Training Committee had their medical advisor do a video with PowerPoint slides. The PowerPoint slides aren't animated, but they were almost cartoonish. It it was kind of like watch if, if schoolhouse rock did a COVID-19 vaccine video, this would have been it. If they set it to music, we could put this up on a Saturday morning. Uh, And it answered a lot of questions. uh, And I, you know, at the end of it, I was like, all right, you know, limited science background, but even I can get this. So thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Gary had the thirty thousand foot overview on it. The yeah. uh, it, you know what was screwing me up too was the the screen. I, I felt like yeah. something was cut off. I like is this like something do was I need missing? To expand it or something so, was missing. Yeah. So I was um, I was probably thirteen minutes into a fifteen minute video before I realized you had to activate full screen mode in order to see this thing without having a bunch of it cut off and even in full screen it still was it still was chopped at the bottom um the other thing is and i don't know why i'm surprised about this like i've been associated with the municipal police training committee for a long time most of my career and i know that there's a first responder medical coordinator who like signs off on the curriculum for our first aid cpr you know treatment for particular devices i had no idea there was a doc on the medical advisory board. Yeah. Um, he's like, I'm the medical advisor for the MPTC. I'm like, you're the what? So, cool. Yeah, you learn something new every day. Yep. Yeah. All right. It's about uh, two minutes before 
the uh, the half hour. So why don't we go and do the station identification, the weather, and the PSAs, and then we'll come back in and talk about something other than the virus and the vaccine. WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area today, partly sunny this morning, then becoming mostly cloudy. Patchy fogs this morning. Highs in the upper 30s. East wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, a chance of rain or snow in the evening. Then rain or snow after midnight. Little or no snow accumulation. Cold with lows in the lower 30s. Temperature rising into the upper 30s after midnight. East wind 15 to 20 miles per hour. Gusts up to 30 miles per hour. Increasing to 40 miles per hour after midnight. Chance of precipitation near 100%. Saturday, rain or snow in the morning. Then rain likely or a chance of snow in the afternoon. Near steady temperature in the upper 30s. East wind 15 to 20 miles per hour with gusts up to 40 miles per hour. Becoming southwest 5 to 10 miles per hour in the afternoon. Chance of precipitation near 100%. Weather forecasts for WTBRFM are provided by the National Weather Service. Hi, this is Sergeant Mark Madalena with the Pittsfield Police Department. We all have busy lives and we're in a hurry to get to where we need to be. While driving, people are eating, drinking, talking, putting on makeup, doing their hair, checking social media, texting each other, all while the dog sits on their lap. The result is running red lights, stop signs, speeding, and finally crashing. Distracted driving is illegal. You can be ticketed or criminally charged. Please share the road and pay attention. Let's make sure everyone gets where they want to go safely. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Support for WTBR comes from Greylock Federal Credit Union. Proud to support high school arts and sports programs to help our community thrive. Greylock Federal Credit Union with locations throughout the Berkshires and online at greylock.org. And from BeFair one of the largest premier human service agencies in Berkshire County. If you're looking for services for a loved one or are interested in caring for the people they support, visit BeFair.org today for available opportunities. PCTV and WTBR are committed to serving our community in this difficult time. We will bring you live coverage of press conferences and official statements from our government officials on PCTV CityLink Channel 1303, on the Pittsfield Community Television Facebook page and on WTBR as they happen and as we are able to do so. Please stay tuned to our channels and our social media for updates on press conferences and other important information pertaining to the ongoing pandemic. You were back on. Last, yeah, <laughs> Captain and I are talking about our, our black ice conversation. The weather conditions last night, and you were saying like the yeah. fog settling. It, I, I would say it's the perfect storm, Chief. I. I left the dojo last night. It's probably a little after eight thirty, and I thought it was a spring night. It, like the view from the parking lot more resembled Lennox in the spring. Than yeah, it does Lennox yeah, in the we way. had it that was weird. Yeah, it was a lot of moisture. That the dew yeah. point temperature real close. The fog was real dense, and then it just got cold enough overnight that fog hung down on the ground. And and I experienced the same thing. I mean, the the roads were just yeah. an absolute sheet of ice this morning. It was just a thin layer. Even trying to walk from the car to the building this morning was just, it was a challenge. All right. Sorry. I was remiss. Thanks for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. Today is Friday, January 15th, 2021. Uh, my name is Mike Wynn. I'm the chief of police here in the city of Pittsfield. I'm joined in studio this morning by Lieutenant Gary Traversa and Captain Matthew Kirchner. 
Um, so, two programmatic notes related to the show. Yesterday afternoon, I got a message from a long-standing friend who I don't get to see that often. And she sent a message, and she's like, just want to let you know, I just watched the January 8th episode of On Patrol with the PPD. And so we've talked about it in the past how we knew we had um, listeners from overseas, family members of some of our people who are tuning in from, like, Okinawa and stuff like that. This is the first person who, like, positively affirmed that they're going to the PCTV website and watching the archived uh, television version of this. So that's pretty cool. So yeah, the audience is growing. The word is getting out there. And how far away are they, Chief? They're here. They're local. They're here locally. They're yeah. watching it archived. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, and then the other program note is after last week's episode, I was scolded. Apparently, I'm way too excited about the Lexapol policy module rollout, uh, and I'm alone in that. So I apologize <laughs> if my enthusiasm and passion um, were misplaced. I, I really am excited about it. It's been a, a, a four-year project for my office. So if you're not as excited about the new policy module as I am, all right, I'm, I'm policy geek. I'm sorry. It uh, it was having some issues yesterday because I had some people <laughs> trying to log in and it was just frozen. So, so like it, anything with technology, it's well, it's so, gonna have some bumps. So two things, Officer Gainer and I were talking about this late last week or early this week, and um, you know we've been working with that module and working with that system for a while now as we tried to transition it, um, and I've never. I've never seen the lag times in the system that I've seen in the last couple of weeks. And she came into my office and she wanted to, she wanted me to look at something that she had just been working on at her workstation and it took forever. And I realized that it's, it's the beginning of the year, right? So not only do we have significant changes going on in policies right here in the Commonwealth because of police reform, every We've every department, we've got a national. Yeah, every shift. department in the country that uses this module is in the middle of making significant changes uh, to coincide with the first of the year. So their their servers just have to be getting hit just from everywhere all day long. Um, so it's that's fine. You know, we we still have the PDF versions that we can work with if we can't. So um, the technological aspects are not nearly as exciting as the um, as the how do, it's i don't know so it's the 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 certification aspects the validation aspects the fact that these policies are uh reviewed by legal counsel in real time and updates are pushed in real time like, you know if you work in law enforcement you know one of the biggest issues that comes up is keeping your policies current um there's there's too many of them to be reviewed by a, a small group of people on a regular basis. And so I mean, we have policies that in our mind are very progressive, but they haven't been edited in 15 years, right? They were state of the art when we put them out. Um, but if somebody's not looking at them with fresh eyes from time to time, you just, you, you fall behind. So, yeah. you know, you mentioned this last week, chief, and this is one aspect that I really look forward to. And I think all of our supervisors are going to, benefit from it the whole department really the fact that they're all in one place yeah and you know you mentioned how we have you know paper copies that were you know some of the original mass chiefs versions and then you know what has been um uh put out over the years you know paper copies and then you know more recent last decade we put them on sharepoint but just to have them in one spot and to know that that's that's where they are it's kind of like 
you know, you, you having scissors in three different places throughout the house and you're organized where they are now, you know? Yeah, the, the, the ease of access and the, the user easy access part of that is just super because, yeah, like you said, yeah, they're all over the place. So now it just streamlines it. Yep. When I when I was a new commander, and even you know shortly after uh, when I was you know a new chief, I used to use this example in supervisory development meetings all the time, and I haven't used it in a long time because it you know with with the switches we've already made, it wasn't as as relevant. <laughs> but for viewers and listeners to understand how important this is to to be able to quickly and easily access policies in one place uh, that that's just easily accessible. So I was a brand new shift commander. I had a veteran supervisor working for me. I won't say who it was. He's long since retired. Uh, and one of our officers did something wrong. And so I'm in the lieutenant's office. I'm trying to figure out what we're going to do. It's a clear policy violation <laughs> relative to our conversation before we came on the air, Captain. I call my sergeant in. I ask the sergeant a bunch of questions. I, I lay out a corrective plan. And the sergeant looks at me and says, that's not our policy. It most certainly is our policy, Sergeant. And the sergeant's like, no, this, this is what our policy is. And he, he gives me some alternative course of action that I'm not familiar with. I've never heard or seen this. So I'm like, okay, Sergeant, how do you know that? He goes, it's in the book. I'm like, what book? He goes, the policy book. I'm like, okay, where is your policy book? It's in my locker. Okay, let's go. So we go to his, we go to the sergeant's locker room. He opens his locker. He reaches up onto his top shelf of his locker. He takes out policy book. Policy book was older than I was. And he blows the dust off the top. Policy book was older than I was. He flips through it. He hands, a, he hands me a page of a policy and a general order that I've never seen before. And as I'm standing there, I look into his locker. And at the bottom of his locker, still wrapped in cellophane, is the department's current policy manual that he just never bothered to open or reference, right? So whatever policy he was referencing was from the early 70s. This is... Has long been since replaced. It, this is 2001, no, 2005, right? And he's looking at, he's, he's citing a 35-year-old policy for something that happened 35 minutes ago. So up-to-date, current, accessible policies, pretty important. Yeah. 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 All right, enough about that, because I'm going to get reprimanded again for being super excited about the policy rollout. Um, Captain, you haven't been with us in a long time. No, it's been busy. Yeah. Believe it or not. Yeah, I don't want to talk about the uh, parking issue today, that we've we've beaten that one up enough. What's going on in Uniform Patrol? Uh, we're busy. We're busy, busy. It's a tough time of year for us to... We've got uh, our uniform shift changes are going to take effect Sunday, so... For 2021, we'll have a couple of shift moves and some officers changing to different shifts. You know, at, uh, we bid their shifts once a year, so that's taking effect. We've got... Uh, let's, let's just let's, touch on that for a minute, because I'm not sure all of our viewers and listeners know. So um, everybody knows that we have three shifts of patrol officers, right? And shifts are staffed according to the needs of the department. The captain sets the, the staffing numbers for each shift. Each lieutenant is given the number that they're going to have permanently assigned. But how we fill that is based on seniority. So at once a year, coming into the end of the year, patrol officers assigned to the patrol division and uh, investigative personnel who are subject to being transferred back to meet the needs of the department, they bid their shifts of preference. Uh, and then based on seniority, to the best of his ability, working with his lieutenants, the captain puts them, if they can, where they ask to go. 
It's, and that's their shift for a year, yep. right? So. It's a juggle. We do our best to try and accommodate everybody's shift bid. And, uh, you know, obviously the people with some seniority get traditionally get what they're looking for. And, and inadvertently, but, because it never falls out completely balanced, junior people don't. They get, they get bumped. <laughs> um, I will say this year we only had uh, a few officers that didn't get what they would like. But uh, in looking forward, we've got seven recruits in the academy. They're going to be finishing up in a few weeks. They'll roll out of the academy, go into the field training program, and uh, you know, upon completion of that, they'll be then the junior officers, and I may be able to accommodate the officers that previously didn't get their shift bid. So, so technically, we we bid shifts and and rotate shifts once a year, but what you're talking about is balancing, right? Yep. As yep. as new staff becomes available, if you can, then you accommodate the the bids that were unaccommodated. Yep. We, we do the best, yep, and uh, try to try to accommodate those other bids. Yeah. So um, I was going to ask you about that. You covered that already. And patrol has been busy, 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 Yep. Um, including the day shift. Right. And I know that's not a surprise for any of us because we've seen this trend increasing for the last decade. But, you know, historically, even in Pittsfield Police Department and other, you know, midsize, small New England police departments, Day shift is kind of like, you know, the administrative catch-up, get the paperwork out there shift. You, you know, you, you, if you wanted to work, you went to mid or you went to evenings or midnights, uh, midnights with bar closings. You know, that's where the action was. Not anymore. Day shift. Getting after it. <laughs> yeah, I would say, uh, you know, there's definitely been a shift in that. You know, that was the traditional way of policing years ago. I'd say in the last uh, probably 10-plus years now, it's the day shift has been extremely busy. Uh, the day and evening shifts are pretty much right on par with this, about the same amount of call volume. Um, you know, it's it's not the quiet shift that everyone used to think it was. No, you do not go to day shift um, to accommodate your educational attainment goals anymore. You're not going to get any homework done on day shift. Yep. Um, so what other big changes in patrol? Um. No, we're uh, you know we're we're trying a couple new strategies as far as uh, personnel deployment, uh, you know, focusing on some some hotspot activity and you know trying to uh, just be more involved in the community. I know Lieutenant Bradford implemented some changes last year uh, as far as how he utilizes personnel and staff, and he's seen great success on the evening shift with those. Yeah. Um, you know, and that. I'm very happy about that. It, it's, I think it's a testament to the changes we've been trying to make as a department over the last several years where, and you were saying it about you know counseling session you had this morning, we want our shift commanders and our supervisors to make decisions that make sense for their shift, right? If, if I have to come to you and say, Captain, do this with these people, I'm, de- I'm removed from the, the actual real-time information. I'm not making informed decisions. If you have to do it for all three shifts, you, you're not necessarily making informed decisions. When the shift commanders make decisions about what they want to do, as long as it, you know, it's, it's reasonable and legal and within budget and ethical, go. Right? Go yep, do it. Absolutely. Um, and we're starting to see some real benefits from that. And I, it's starting to trickle down because now we're starting to see you know, not just supervisors but even officers say, I think if I do this at this time, it'll be more effective, right? Go yeah. do it. Yeah, you know, it goes back to, I mean, we need to lead from the front, Chief, yeah. you know. It's, we're not going to lead from the back. 
we uh, you know we empower our team. My my shift commanders do a great job. All three shifts, we empower them with the, the ability to make that decision for their team. And you know, as a result, we're seeing we're seeing the dividends being paid now on that. Keep us informed about what you're doing. Don't ask us if you can do it. Exactly. All right. So we've got about 15 minutes left, um, and we've we've alluded to this for the last several weeks, but we we've run out of time because of the health updates, and we haven't really gotten into it and you know, we're not going to get into the the weeds on it today um there's there's a lot to be digested and dissected but um the commonwealth passed the police reform bill uh, a new year's a new year's eve basically the governor signed it and uh there's a lot in it it's a it's a massive massive document it caused a lot of anxiety and and heartache uh, from some members of of law enforcement, you know, change is difficult. Nobody really likes change. I have to tell you, the reality is, there's not that many significant changes included in what came out of this because we've been doing most. We law enforcement in the Commonwealth have been doing a lot of this for a long time already. You know, there's there's a couple changes that um, are kind of generic in nature that we're going to have to address but a lot of the stuff was work in progress or was already done uh i was online after i finished reading the paper this morning i was just checking this um social media and a friend of mine who is a director of training at a commonwealth academy put a post up and i it it's not funny because it's it's you know it's how uninformed some people are but i had to chuckle because it's ironic so she had been reading the actual language of the legislation and she found a section in there and I'm paraphrasing, but essentially it says all, all law enforcement officers, all police officers, blah, 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 will receive specialized training in autism and, you know, specifically this type of training and it has to be done by this organization. And the director's post was, we do this and we've been doing it for over five years. It's required training in all MPTC academies and the instructors are trained by this organization and we've done the dealing with uh the dealing with people with autism training in our in-service yep we have a specific segment of curriculum on dealing with populations with special needs um we do the iacp alzheimer's training this is not new so you know you look at something that is now a mandate an unfunded mandate to do something that we've been doing all along and there's a bunch of that yeah. included in yep. here yeah uh the one thing so it it's signed it's in law uh, but there's different benchmarks at different periods in there so the stuff that went into effect immediately was very very minimal uh use of force standard change was immediate the prohibition on chokeholds was immediate we already had that um some reporting was immediate everything else is phased in and one of the things that, so it got signed. We knew it was getting signed. <clears throat> uh, we didn't have a lot of advance notice, but we knew it was getting signed. And fortunately, uh, counsel for the Mass Chiefs had, had been involved in looking at it. So they had already parsed out some of the, the critical portions. But one of the biggest issues in it is the benchmarks and timelines are not aligned. So one of the things that we were cautioned about is that the the legislation requires that we make certain changes on July 1st, 2021. 
But the legislation also requires that we make those changes based on the recommendations of a joint group from the Municipal Police Training Committee and the new post Police Officer Standards and or Police Officer Standards and Training Commission. The problem is the post isn't required to be created until June 30th, 2021. They got a lot of work to do real quick. So yeah. so we're supposed to <laughs> so we're supposed to implement changes based on the recommendations of an organization that doesn't have to be populated until the day before we're supposed to implement the changes. And there's a bunch of those disconnects included in there. Um and, and we see that with a lot of our stuff that's going to the to the lawmakers nowadays, Chief. I mean they'll they'll bring a multi thousand page bill forward and give people a few hours to read it and pass it. So So you know, I think, at least for the three of us in the room, I, I don't have a whole lot of anxiety or, or heartbreak about the language that came out. Um, previous president of the Mass Chiefs, uh, Jeff Farnsworth, who was recently retired and has taken a, a special job over at EOPS, and the incoming chief of the Mass Chiefs, Ed Dunn of Falmouth, who was a friend of mine, uh, running partner from when we went out there and helped work with their SRT uh, shortly after Chief Riello formed the SRT out there. Um, the way they described it is we're not happy about it. You know, we, we had other positions that we, we advocated for, but we can live with this. And I think, you know, most reasonable police officers in the Commonwealth are going to find they can live with this. Yeah. The changes are not that severe um, that it's going to have a, a dramatic impact on how we do what we do. There's going to be some more reporting requirements. That That's the nature of everything. You know, the type of reporting that we do today is significantly different than the type of reporting that I did when I came on as a patrol officer. Um, and some of the, the stuff that they're looking for, we had already been working on putting in place anyway before, before police reform even became a thing. It was something yeah. we were working on, you know, two and three years ago. So more to come on specifically what that's going to mean. Uh, I'm actually excited about some aspects of it. Some of the new training requirements are things that I've been advocating for for a long time that just weren't priorities. Um, so now they're priorities, right? So yep. Now, yep. now we will do these trainings because we have to, not because we just think it's a good idea. Yeah. You know, and, and I'll echo that, Chief. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's I'm very optimistic about this. There's definitely going to be some positive change that comes as a result of this. I think it's going to make some of our aspects of our job better and easier and uh you know it's definitely going to give us some more accountability with with our stakeholders um but with that being said i mean i, I agree most of these things are already in place you know informally now they're written into law but especially western mass here in berkshire county our police departments here for the most part have been doing this for a long time so we're, we're ahead of the curve so i think i think i alluded to this briefly during last week's episode um captain you obviously were present for that uh we're in the middle of an in-service training round right now, right? And uh, because of space restrictions and the pandemic, everybody switched to virtual. So we got everybody on their training day doing their online training. And there's a lot of chatter amongst the, the, the troops, amongst the ops force, that they've seen this training before. And that's not by accident, right? So the Commonwealth mandated this year's, the MPTC mandated this year's training topics. But these are training topics that have been recommended or suggested in the pipeline for two or three years now. We're, we're, we're always looking a couple years down the road. And our training unit does a really nice job at looking at the recommended training and prioritizing what's going to be important and putting, because we're allowed to have, you know, 16 to 20 hours of locally selected topics 
every year on, on top of the things that we have to do. And training, in particular, uh, Officer Gaynor, our training coordinator, she does a really nice job of kind of looking at the, the overall landscape and say, this one's going to be important. This So I, it's not quite 100%, but nearly all of the required training topics this year are topics we've covered in the last couple of years. So it's a refresher and a reminder, not brand new stuff. And we've been doing that since I was in training. Right? We always look at what's going on nationally, what's going on in the region, and say, okay, you know, this is going to be a thing. Let's get ahead of this. Let's, so, yeah, let's, let's get our people sharp and on point with it. And... So um, that's about all on police reform. Oh, no. So I will say that there, there's a couple things that are not included in this uh, that personally I'm disappointed in. Right? I, I thought if we were going to go through the, the bad blood and the negativity of last year that you know, if you're going to make a change, make a change. Right? You've got an opportunity to strike, strike. And I'll tell you, I have long been an advocate for at least for high-level police use of forces. Right? Officer-involved shootings, um, large-scale disturbance stuff, um, non-firearms related uses of force that have a significant uh, degree of injury. I've long been an advocate for a centralized, consolidated investigative unit, preferably out of the attorney general's office with some expertise that would deploy and be an objective third party. I shared that with A.G. Healy um, when I met with her slightly uh, shortly after she took office. We could have included that, and they didn't. and I'll be honest, in, in listening to the stuff that came out of EOPS, although there are some required changes in investigations in the police reform language, there's no plan to staff investigative units. So essentially what's going to happen is the, the investigation is going to go to post and they're going to have to assign it back to the agency that, it, that it's about because there's, yeah. there's no plan or funding to staff so the commission is created in staff, but that doesn't include any investigators, and there's no funding to give them investigators. So, um, so they're going to have to identify that void and then fix that going forward. But in the meantime, it, so from what I, from what I was told from EOPS, that's not part of the plan. That they're, they're not they're not planning on creating an investigative unit. So I don't know. We'll see. Work in progress. Stand by to stand by. Stand by to stand by. Um. So we're, we're getting ready to go into the budget hearing process, and there's been some news reports recently. Um, you know, people are taking a real, real detailed look at our budget and our budget process, and, you know, statement was made that, you know, I, I can't answer, you know, what, what we spend our equipment money on, and that's a disingenuous statement, right? If you ask me a question without warning in a, in a meeting that I can't prepare for, I'm going to have to give you a generic answer. Um, but, you know, the, the mayor and I have had serious conversations about this. All of the division commanders and bureau commanders have been tasked with developing uh, an itemized inventory of, you know, because we don't do centralized purchasing, right? It's a purchase. Everything gets logged somewhere, but it's not all logged in one place. So we're consolidating the inventory. Um, and we don't have a problem discussing what we spend our money on. You know, there are some things that we we can describe generically because they're safety and security concerns. We're not going to put all of our capabilities out for the whole, all the world of you, but it's a question of what people are asking us for. Um, you know, the captain and I had a conversation. We want to know what your inventory is. So, okay. Do you want us to include bandages? 
you know, tourniquet? What are you asking us for? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I hear some of the chatter and they're like, well, you know, we want to. So I, I have some communications on this. Like, we want to know how many drones you have. We, well, we don't have that's any. That's easy. Yeah, we don't have any. We have yeah. no drones. So if that's your concern, <laughs> zero. Um, but one of the things, and it, it's a lack of specificity in, in how they ask. Like, well, we want to know how many military weapons you have. Zero. We have zero military weapons. I think at one point way back in the past, we had a, a, an M79 40 millimeter bloop, blooper that was like a tear gas gun. It was on. It was in the armory when I came on the job. We decommissioned that thing years ago when we went to the L sixes. I don't know where it came from. I, I know it didn't come from the North Star, the LS, LS, LESO program. I'm afraid it walked away from an armory somewhere, but I don't know. Um, but we don't. Well, during the course of my time with the department, we have gotten equipment through North Star, the 1033 program. Most of it's restricted to uniforms, right? I tried to get a boat once. I tried to get a boat, but at the time you had to physically go and lay hands on to tag out the equipment, and the boat was in Guam, and Chief Riello wouldn't let me go, <laughs> so so we didn't get a boat. Uh, but more to come on that. We're putting together. We have meetings scheduled next week. I've been providing the updates to the mayor. You know, and again, we don't have a problem answering questions if the questions are specific and pointed. But if you throw out a you know what do you have. Well, we got a lot. Yeah, you need, to, you need to be more specific. A generic request isn't going to fix it. Um, you know, the lieutenant and I are talking. We're trying to figure out exactly how many radios we have. And we know how many we've bought, but we have radios that are carried by state police units. We have radios that we, co- we, we provide to members from the team, right? So it's, it's not a question of counting them. It's a question of figuring out exactly yep. where we forward deployed them yep. to. So, All right, yep. we're just about out of time. Let's see. I've got the Discover Pittsfield. Anything you want to add before I do the cultural stuff, Captain? No, I don't think so, Chief. I'd... All right. Lots going on. We're going into we're busy. We're going into the long weekend. There is a uh I, I always mess this up. Dooley I'm sorry, Linda. Dooley Leadership Experience Virtual Comedy Hour tonight at eight. Check that out. It's got some top ranked national comics. The um virtual Dr. Martin Luther King Day of Service that is traditionally held through Berkshire Community College is Monday. It's an online program this year. Check that out. The Word by Word Festival is starting up, so check that out. Plenty to do. You know, take advantage of all the culture opportunities that are available to us. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Be kind. Take care of one another. And we will see you again next week for another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. Peace.